We are in the book of Hebrews. Uh, today we're covering this, the, the second half of Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, looking at this series perfect because we know that Jesus is perfect. He is greater. He is better than anything else. So we get to explore that together today. Uh, first though, I need, uh, I need a little bit of help. Um, Ed, could you guys do me a favor? I need a couple of these chairs up here. Will you hand me a couple of these chairs? That'd be great. Um, and I want to be able to speak with you guys about a really amazing, Eric, you might want to help him, I don't know. Um, this is super. I decided I'm going to do something a little different. Does anybody else feel sorry for our tech and everybody else who has to keep up with me? I don't need this many. Let's just do the two. That's great. Um, no, let's add another one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Um, I tell you, this is a passage today that we get to explore and to look at that is really phenomenal because last week one of the things that we recognized is that Jesus Christ is greater than anything else. So we're going to talk about that more today. So who's ready for the Word of God? Amen. Let's jump into it right now. Hebrews chapter 1. Um, and as you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, I'm going to read a passage you're going to explore more deeply in about two weeks. I want to read for you Hebrews 2.14. So just listen to this if you would. Listen closely. I'm going to read this from the NLT, and it says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. So once again, Jesus always was, but he came in human form 2,000 years ago. But because of our limited thinking, we automatically think that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. That's when he came about. No, he's always been, but he came in flesh 2,000 years ago. And it says, so Jesus, he became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We have been delivered by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the message that we get to speak about. And it's letting us know at the end of chapter 1 how significant this is, the greatness of who Jesus Christ is. Because when Christ died, when he made, one of the words that we often use is when Christ made purification for our sins. Because we could not do it ourselves. He triumphed over death. He triumphed over Satan. And we know that throughout the Bible when a king would be enshrined, enthroned, there would be this acclamation of him formally taking up his title, taking up the inheritance from his birth. And one of the ways, one of the most significant ways that you would know of somebody's value throughout the Old Testament and even throughout the New Testament is by the title that they would be given. I'm about to give you the title of Jesus that is probably the most significant that there is, and you're going to see it today. It is very simply this. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? Jesus is the son of God. And it lets us know that he is the only one who can sit on the throne in which he sits. 
It lets us know that he is superior to angels numerous times in this passage. What you're going to see in Hebrews chapter 1 is, is, is the author is, is calling out and speaking to, writing about angels a significant amount. And he's letting you know that Christ is superior to angels. This is how we concluded last week in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 where it says, Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. This is a passage that's also important because at least seven different times it refers to Old Testament passages. So today you're going to hear me call out some of those as I walk through the text. Here's the primary focus that we have got to take away from this. is very, very simply, when you look at Hebrews chapter 1, 5 through 14 that we're looking at today, not only is Christ superior to angels, but here's what you must understand. Because we love to speak about angels. I know that even at the top of my Christmas tree every year, we have a bunch of angels that we put on the top. Probably 15, 20 angels at the top of it. And then we have a star on top, star of, Bethel, uh, uh, star of David, right? And so we're able to look at the angels. And we love to have figurines and angels and all these different things. And sometimes we are confused by the significance of angels. Let me tell you now, here's the message today. Angels are messengers, but Christ is the message. That's what we must understand. We're going to speak about this very directly. Because we have sometimes confused Christ, the message, with other things in our lives. We've given too much authority to other things in our lives. We've elevated things more than the message. That would be a question that I would have for you today is have we sometimes elevated something that is actually not the message? It's one of my worries for the church today is that the church today often substitutes the message of Jesus with something else. If any church is known for anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've lost our way. And so sometimes we can get hung up on the difference between here maybe this seat is the message and here is the messenger. This is the other thing in our life that can be good, but it's not the primary. And so we pick up things like social justice and we make that the real message. Social justice is not the message. If you want to solve the problems with social injustice, let people hear about Jesus. If you want to solve the other problems and the issues in this world, don't elevate those issues more than you elevate the message of Jesus Christ. And we need to start to understand this. Churches need to start to understand this. And this passage in Hebrews chapter 1 lets us know that yes, we have some wonderful things out there. And even angels, they're messengers from God and they're amazing. But let me tell you now, as much enthralled as you would be by an angel coming before you, if an angel came before you today, you would fall flat and be like, what is going on? Think about the message Jesus Christ himself coming before us. That's the greatness of who he is. That's how, much, how, how superior he is to anything else. Christ is the message. And so it doesn't matter if it's social injustice or policies or even sometimes we elevate things of the church greater than Christ. We elevate a worship style and somebody sings a song in a style in which you don't like and so all of a sudden you can't even hear the fact that the gospel is being preached because what matters to you more than anything else is a worship style. What have we done to the church? 
What have we done to the message that the gospel is greater? Have we lost, forgotten? Maybe you've embraced. Maybe you've neglected. Maybe you've surrendered to. Maybe you've turned against the message of Jesus. Maybe you've never embraced the message of Jesus. Only the practice of a religion. Question for you. For you today, what is the most accurate word to describe who Jesus is to you? It would be fun for you to leave this place, even if you're at home and you're watching this somewhere. Um, Maybe for you to share with a loved one, a friend, to say, hey, what one word? Just write down one word wherever you are, one word that would most accurately describe who Jesus is to you. And then I'm going to challenge you with the traits that you hear about Christ today, a trait that you hear. What is it? One trait that you desire Jesus to be that maybe he is currently not. Challenge for us today. Here's this passage in Hebrews chapter 1. I want to read for you first. I'm going to go back and read verse 4 and then we're going to jump into verse 5. If you want to go ahead and throw verse 5 up here, that'd be great. Because this is speaking about one of those traits that Jesus is greater than angels. Let me hit this very quickly because I know that I covered some of this last week and then we're going to jump into the following verses. It says, though, beginning with verse 4, I'll get to this in a second. It says, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels, and I, I underlined this here, I didn't do it everywhere else because I want you to start seeing, and maybe you want to do it in your own Bible, the number of times that it mentions angels. What it says is, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. There's that title that Jesus Christ has been given that, that shows his authority. Son of the king. And he says, for which of angels did God ever say? He didn't say this to anybody else or anything else. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. These are powerful words for us to process and understand. Verse 5 is to say that no angel sits at God's right hand. And not just no angel, nothing else can sit at the right hand as the Son of God will in power. And so we need to make sure that we're elevating the message, that we're not elevating anything else, that the proper things have the proper seats in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. Jesus is greater than angels. Now I want to go ahead and jump into verse 6 through 9 because I know that this is going to be something that will be a struggle for some of us. Verse 6 through 9, Jesus is not only greater than angels, but Jesus is the divine king. Divine is a key word here, uh, something that we need to process. It says, and again, when he brings the firstborn in the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels uh, winds and his ministers a flame of fire. And we look at this and we see the significance of it. We look at what God is doing here. 
He says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, there's the name again. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of the, the uprightness, uprightness and the scepter of your kingdom. Thank you so much. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Right away in verse 6, it's letting us know that even the angels worship him. Worshiping Jesus, by the way, is a big deal. Maybe some of you yesterday looked at someone, or maybe in this morning you called someone up on your way and said, Hey, I'm going, I'm going to go over to church, I'm going to go worship. Worshiping Jesus is a big deal. It's a big issue. Why? Because worship shows that you're declaring something of greater value than self. When you say, I'm going to go worship this, you're declaring that that very thing that you're now worshiping is greater than self. And so we're coming to worship Jesus, and even the angels are worshiping Jesus One of these Old Testament passages that I refer to is also called out in verse 7, 8, and 9, Psalm 45, 6, and 7. Where it says, the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. The very same thing is being called out in this passage in Hebrews chapter 1. But also something else that you need to understand here. He says in verse 8, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So this is God calling out, and this is what he says, your throne, O God. So he is now referring, he's calling Jesus God. Remember, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are all one the same, and yet they are also independent. They, they, they stand alone. And so we look at this, and when it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. This is powerful. The fact that the human king is called God, Your throne, O God, It tells you the greatness, the superiority of Jesus. Not only is he sent by God, but Jesus is God. He is worthy of that worship that is being called out in this passage. So God is declaring the Son to be true deity. So that's another thing about Christ we often mention. We've got to remember Jesus is both fully human and also fully divine. And now God is calling out here in this passage the divinity of Christ. I'm, I'm making such a big issue about this because often when we look at Scripture, what we do is we go, oh yeah, Son of God, Son of God, Son of God, I get it. It says He was born, okay, let's go all the way back. Virgin Mary has a baby, and we talk about the birth of Christ. Here's the Son, here's the Son. But, and so we talk about Him coming in human form. But He is also deity. God Himself is referring to Him as such. We hear one person of the Godhead, Father, calling another the person of the Godhead, his son, God. So God the Father is declaring how wonderful, how great the Son is. And he even declares that the kingship of Jesus, the kingship of his Son will be forever. Forever. 
throughout every age to come. And so, yes, what we see here is he is the divine king. So yet Jesus is greater than angels. Jesus is the divine king, but also, verse 10 through 12, what we recognize is Jesus is unchanging. Does anybody notice that the world is changing pretty quickly? Anybody notice that? It's changing incredibly fast. And when the world is shifting and changing as quickly as it's changing, sometimes we can get lost in that. And as a result, I mean, listen, we know that the majority of people don't like change. And it creates panic. It creates fear. It creates worry. It creates concern for the majority of people. That's why anxiety and depression and everything else is higher because everything just keeps shifting and now it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter. Anybody feel like this? It does not matter what news media source you have. You, don't just, you just don't trust any of it. Anybody else feel this way? And so we don't know who to believe. We don't know what to trust. Let me tell you now what you can believe and trust in. It's called the Bible. And as fast as things are shifting, and as much angst as we may have inside, friends, let me tell you now that Jesus Christ is unchanging. He is unwavering. He will never change, and every age will worship him. Every single one. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. And they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same. And your years will have no end. I take so much comfort in knowing that my God will not change. That his love will not cease. That his forgiveness is always present. That no matter what's taking place with all the social issues and with schools and businesses and politics and with finances and everything else that's happening within the world, my God is the same. Let that be a blanket of protection on your life. It draws from one, uh, Psalm 102, 25 through 27. It's another one of these Old Testament passages. I'm not calling them all out, but there's so many of them. It lets us know that he is unchanging. And even though angels are presented as powerful beings, here's Jesus Christ being declared as the omnipotent one, all-powerful. The Son made the world, therefore he, is right, he has a right to govern the world, the very thing that he made. And he is unchangeable. Verse 13 through 14. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? 
Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? One thing you must also understand is not only Jesus is he unchanging, but he is the conqueror. He will know victory. What confidence to walk through life knowing that very thing. This is from Psalm 110. And it's emphasizing the victory of the Son that he will be the victorious conqueror. It goes back to verse 3 and 4, the same passage here in Hebrews chapter 1, and it emphasizes his power. It emphasizes who he really and actually is, that Christ is going to sit down at the right hand of the majesty as king of the universe and as son of God. Remember verse 8 says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so it's pointing this out when it says things like, listen, you will sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. These are words never spoken to an angel, only to Christ, to the Son of God. We know that angels, yes, they are here to help us. To minister us, verse 14, that they minister to us. But Jesus is the victorious conqueror. Is something other than Jesus seated at the right hand of God in your life. We must remember that angels are messengers, but Christ is a message. And what we see here is it's reminding the, the reader that Christ is superior, that he is greater. And as a result of that, he is unchanging. That's one way that you know. He is the victorious conqueror. That's another thing that we must understand, that, that he is also the divine king. He's greater than anything else in our life. And it causes us to examine, is that the king, is that the God that we're worshiping? I truly believe that. So one, I, I, this chair is the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is greater. God even refers to him as God. He is divine. He is the king. He is perfect. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. But what we've done is we've got this wonderful message and for some reason we've slid it over and we've put it on the back burner and we've taken something that, that by itself can be good and we've elevated this. And some of you have done that with your career, with schooling, with finances, with resources. Some of you have done that with where you give your energy and how you give your time to habits or disciplines. We've done that very thing. We've elevated the wrong thing. We must not elevate angels. We must not elevate finances. We must not elevate a job title. We must not elevate where you go to school. We're to elevate one thing. We elevate Jesus. He's the message. Being nice to people isn't the message. Making sure that you don't cut grass on Sunday for some of you isn't the message. The message is Jesus. And we have substituted something that is so glorious, that is so superior 
to anything else in life and we've substituted it with something less than. If anything other than Jesus has greater value to you in your life, you are living less than what God desires. Jesus is better than anything. And anything, I said it a week ago, anything other than Christ is less than Christ. Christ is the message. Is he the one you're willing to serve? I mean, go home and ask that one thing. Have you gotten distracted? Ask a loved one. Ask a friend. Has something else taken the rightful seat away from Christ? Some of you, like even politically, you're so angry that you've forgotten. You already know the victorious conqueror. Friends, relax. We know who wins. Amen? And so God, we come before you and we pray that we would have the strength to worship you and nothing else. That we would have the focus in life that we need to make sure that we're not getting distracted, that we're not elevating something that we don't need to be elevating, that we are truly calling upon your name and the name of nothing else, that we would remember that you are the message, that you are the victorious conqueror, you're unchanging, and as a result of that, we can sit back and we can breathe and we can relax and we can serve you with a spiritual fortitude and a spiritual tenacity that we've never known because we trust you. Because even when we were broken, you have come to redeem. Thank you, O oh God. In Christ's name, amen.